Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Since publishing the episode you're about to hear, the podcast title has changed to what you now see on the cover art. Updated links and other information can likely be found in the episode show notes, but contact us if you have any questions or if you can't find what you're looking for honest to God, if I had to give one answer, that would be the main answer. It's just my activating my faith and realizing no matter how things look, I just have to keep going. If I truly believe that this is the calling that's on my life, it's going to pay off no matter what. And having that gave me such a sense of freedom that I was able to show up in my space and take space and not be afraid. so pumped about the guests that we have coming up on this podcast. Just to name a few, we have a TikTok creator who literally grew her TikTok account from zero to 25,000 followers in just five days. Her first five days on the platform, by the way. We have a pro basketball player who's written over 33 books and who has over 5.6 million downloads on his podcast. We have an SEO expert who's going to teach us about all the ways we can get discovered on Google, and that list just skims the surface. I'm so proud of how far this podcast has come in literally such little time, and I'm so freaking pumped about what's to come. So thank you from the bottom of my heart if you've done anything at all to help this podcast to reach more people. If you have rated and reviewed, if you've shared about it on social media, if you've texted it to a friend, or if you've texted it to your mom, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot build this community alone and I'm doing everything in my power, I promise you, to bring you true value in every single episode. I hope you found that to be true thus far and I know you're gonna take so much away from this conversation you're about to hear with YouTube personality and podcast host, Aisha Christina. Aisha is a content creator, a thought leader, and host of the Quality Queen Control podcast. Aisha is fully committed to inspiring true transformation in women with her unique delivery, offering a tough love approach while also entertaining her audience at the same time. She's most widely known for her YouTube channel, where she's amassed over 200,000 subscribers, and her podcast, which gets over 200,000 downloads every single month. On her podcast, Aisha discusses thought-provoking topics ranging from faith to dating and even human psychology, which is how she's inspiring and nurturing and cultivating a community of women who are supporting one another, which we love, and working daily to become the best version of themselves. But guess what else? Aisha is going to be joining me as a panelist this March in Vegas at the Podcast Movement Evolutions Conference, where I'm going to be leading the discussion around the truth about podcasting for influencers. You already know that also joining me on this panel is Avery Warner of 90 Day Fiance and the Chiller Queen podcast. Now you know about Aisha too. And the third panelist is super exciting. It's Aaron Dugan, who you met here on the podcast back in episode 30. Aaron was my second ever podcast guest. She hosts the Fringe Element podcast. She owns the Cast Collective Studio on Historic Music Row here in Nashville. And she, most importantly for the panel topic, developed and produces the chart-topping Unlocked with Savannah Chrisley podcast under Podcast One. 
There's still one, maybe two more panelists who've not yet been announced at the time I'm recording this intro. So stay tuned on my Instagram for more on that. And if you haven't yet done so, be sure if you can, to invest in yourself and your podcast by joining us at the conference. It's going to be such a vibe. Believe me, there's no better place for networking with other podcasters and podcast industry professionals. And don't forget, you can use my code, which is Angie PM 23, which is going to get you $50 off any pass level. The link is in the show notes, and I cannot wait to meet you in real life at the conference if you're able to go. Now, speaking of influencers, let's jump into this conversation with Aisha, because unlike what a lot of online gurus will have you believe, sometimes the best strategy to grow your platform is having no strategy at all. Is that true, though? Did Aisha have no strategy to get her first 10,000 followers on Instagram or 200,000 subscribers on YouTube or 200,000 podcast downloads a month? I'm going to bet there's a lot unique to her story that can empower us all as content creators. So without further ado, let's hear from Aisha all about how she accidentally became an influencer. Aisha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) My favorite is how I just texted you about this yesterday, but I have to inform my listener. So Aisha just recorded or released a podcast episode on her feed. And like a major theme in this podcast episode was don't buy everything you see online. Don't be a victim (laughs) of influencers. Right. And then I, I thought about it and I was like, holy shit, the last item I purchased from an influencer on Amazon was in Aisha's story. It was a ring light that connects to my iPhone. <laughs> and when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but then I I quit. I was so happy. It was justifiable because it's an investment. Right. Guys, I'm telling you this light, she's talking about this light that I put in my uh, story, which clips onto your phone. I have it on my computer right now, Ange, like literally. It looks fantastic. I have a giant ring light and our lighting is like pretty much the same. It's insane how we went from giant ring lights. Mine is in the corner, never to be used. Like it's insane how we could just clip this thing on anywhere and it gives so much light and there are different settings. Yeah. So that was influencing done right. Yes. It was an investment (laughs) into my career. So if you want to be a victim of influencers too, I will link this light in the show notes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Although it was sold out for a while. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was sold out about three times before I've attempted, like while I was attempting to get it. And I found another link somehow and I purchased it through that. And then I got my mom to purchase uh, like two as well, just in case I was not playing. And then by the time I posted the link on my story, it was sold out. And then I found another link. Because I had two that I saved and the other one was available. I was like, guys, you have to hurry up. That's the one that you use. That's the one you use. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So now you know the trick. If you click on the link in the show notes and it's sold out, do not be fooled. Just Google the title. You'll find Mm -hmm. it somewhere. Maybe if not, just keep your eye on it. But yeah, I'm so excited. It has not arrived yet. It's actually taking way longer to ship than normal Prime items, probably because it's so freaking popular. I don't know. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. It took a while to ship to me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's get into the whole topic of conversation here, which is how you became an accidental influencer. (laughs) So when it comes to your online influence, well, first, correct me if I'm wrong, but yes or no, your, your YouTube came first, right? Of like all your major platforms. Yes. Okay. So you started your YouTube channel back in December of 2018, which was a little over four years ago. Mm -hmm. And at this point now, which is January of 2023, when we're recording, you have over 227,000 subscribers and over 10.7 million views on YouTube. So before we talk about what your growth journey on YouTube looked like, can you just like back up and walk us through why you decided to start this YouTube channel in the first place? And like at the time, what was your goal in starting this YouTube channel? Yeah, definitely. So I, growing up in school, like high school and things, people always would tell me, you have to have a channel, you have to have a channel. And so I tried on a bunch of different hats, essentially, of channels. That I, at first, I thought I wanted to do makeup and nothing felt fulfilling to me. So this channel that I have now, like my lucky number is three, 
And it's technically my third channel. And I feel like the word home just like came into like my spirit essentially, because I wanted to be able to not only express the fullness of my personality, but I also wanted to create an impact and offer things that I felt like were of value. And I didn't feel like for me personally, that any other thing I've tried to do in the past, I was able to really do that. So with this channel, it was 1000% inspired by experience. I was in a situationship with um, this guy and that consumed a lot of my, my, my time. And I said to myself, when things ended, I don't ever want anyone to go through the things that I just went through. And I genuinely had no idea about all the things that I've learned and, and whatever lessons I've accumulated. I had zero knowledge prior to how the dating game sort of went. And so I thought to myself, well, why don't I hop on YouTube and talk about my experiences, you know? And at first it was a lot of like sophistication stuff. And then, you know, it was about the types of guys that you should look out for, which was a huge one. And then it was the type of men that you should be going after. And I was just sharing all of those genuine experiences. And yeah, it took off because it's so relatable. And at the time when I when I created my channel, I think that in my niche, whatever that may be, I guess, a lot of people were older than I was. So I'm one of the younger people still that is in the niche of, you know, dating and advice sort of thing. Now there are a lot more people, which is awesome, but it's just, it's a very rewarding thing because I'm able to connect with people. I hear their stories and I'm able to give advice based on experience, research I've done, and also just the consults that I've done with girls and the stories that they have shared with me. So it's just the gift that keeps on giving because anyone can benefit from advice. So in those early days of your YouTube channel, what was the production like? Like, did you go all out with your production? Were you scrappy at the beginning? Uh, I'm a, I'm a gear kind of girl. So being that I had a lit and I say this very loosely, tiny, tiny, tiny experience in knowing at least what it is that I needed. So my first camera, I actually ended up getting from my dad's Amex points. So it was kind of free a little. Perfect. Um, yeah. And that's how I got my first camera, which was a Canon T5i. Now, I know the beauty influencers because I, I was obsessed with doing makeup. I used to be a freelance makeup artist. They had this Sony camera, which made you look, it has a natural blurring effect. It makes you look flawless. So I had those two cameras and I kind of just ended up, which is crazy, in the beginning, actually using my phone insane, even though I had these things. So now I do use a camera, of uh, of course, but there are certain times where I was just, I was getting scrappy with it. Now, I also had a tiny bit of experience. Eh, not even really. I learned how to edit a very little bit. I mean, if anyone knows me, they know I do not know how to edit content. <laughs> All I know how to do is blade, do a little overlay of, or, or something and leave it as that. So I had the basics. I did have a ring light already. So I did have things already when I really was ready to start the channel. It wasn't really, I wasn't as scrappy because I never used my phone to edit or anything like that. I, even if I filmed on my phone, I would still record, um, upload into Final Cut, which I purchased so many years ago. And luckily you only have to purchase it once, you know, thank God. I know. Thank God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause Adobe is monthly. Yeah, which is just and it, ridiculous. Yes, and it's too complex for me. So mm-hmm. I had Final Cut Pro. That's what I always use to edit my stuff. And I had my basic cameras. And of course, you know, iPhones these days, they record very, very well. So no one was even really able to tell like the huge difference. But I did have an idea of what I needed to start. Okay. So basic knowledge, you weren't going in blind by any means. And how long would you say it was until you started seeing like traction on your YouTube channel? Honestly, it was pretty immediate. I mean, people think that there's some sort of secret to, um, I guess like being on social media, you got to do this, you got to do that. For me, it was, I felt like, all right, whoever's going to see it is going to see it. 
I'm just going to upload this video. I ended up filming late in the morning. Like I'm talking like maybe midnight, 1 a.m. And it was like a story time video. And I uploaded it and I was like, whatever. Like, and I remember first day, I think I had maybe 80 or 100 subscribers. I mean, we're talking starting from zero. And then I think first week I had a thousand. Now in the back of my mind, I knew in order for me to get into the partnership program, you have to have a certain amount of hours of watch time. YouTube is always changing the rules. Ironically enough, right when I hopped on board, they they changed the rules, making it a little more difficult to get into the partnership program. So you had to meet a certain criteria. So I said, you know what? Especially since I didn't really know how to edit. And I also, I didn't, I wasn't as good yet with jumping from point to point to point. So I would make very long videos. That ended up paying off organically because I met the watch time because I was making these very, very long videos. So that's kind of what I was doing when I first started. And I did see a return fairly quickly, uh, which was super motivating and very shocking because I'm like, oh, like, was it just the time? Like, so naturally, I always feel very lucky in December because I just felt like hmm, this is just a very lucky time where I ended up starting, yeah, in the end of 2018 and boom, like it was really like, you know, started gaining traction very soon, especially because my approach was very different. <laughs> well, and did I hear you correctly that you said when you, the first day you uploaded your first video, you got 80 subscribers? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. And I know like 2018 was kind of right on the tail end of like the glory days of digital content creation where like 2016 and 2017 was like a sweet spot, especially mm-hmm. for podcasts. They just grew so fast. Mm-hmm. So maybe that had something to do with it. But if you had to pinpoint something that you were doing different or something that you were doing to drive that traction, what would you think it would have? What What do you think it would be? I love this question because to be honest, when I'm listening to anything too, I always wonder, okay, like this isn't making sense. How did you go from this to this? I always say you have to be a person of interest first. What do I mean by that? So going back all the way to when I was in high school, these like people would always say, oh my gosh, you should have a YouTube channel. I always had a little bit of a following. So my following, some of it came from my uh, Instagram At the time when I started my channel, my Instagram, I had like 10,000 followers when I started. So I do believe that that definitely contributed. I was not the type of person that had zero social media presence. And then randomly, I had 80 subscribers first day that I uploaded. I mean, I've, I've never seen an instance like that. Usually, someone's audience is always coming from somewhere. So no one was surprised by me having a channel and talking about the things that I was talking about from the people that followed me. Nobody was shocked. It was literally, oh, okay, it's about time. That was like the reaction that people were giving. So what actually made people go and really actually subscribe to that? I don't have an actual answer for but I will say that having a little bit of a social media presence before I started my channel absolutely contributed to that success. Okay. That does make a lot more sense. It computes better in my brain because I thought your YouTube channel was the very first platform where you grew an audience where I know you have like 36,000 followers on Instagram now and like 10,000 probably doesn't sound like a lot to you. So you probably didn't even think about that when I asked you the question (laughs) to me, 10,000 Instagram followers is a lot. So like, how did you get that first 10,000 on Instagram? And how long did that take you? Honestly, this is the truth. Um, I was always just interested in, I guess, being in social media. And that just always, always has been my thing. And I was very scrappy. You want to talk about scrappy? I was scrappy when I first started. I remember my first 5,000 followers. There was there were these things. I don't know if anyone remembers this. Follow for follow, like for like. Yes, you would literally. I, I, I found this girl. I, I don't even know who she is, genuinely. And she was, she would have these contests where she would post your photo, you would post hers, and literally people would follow you from, from doing that. It's crazy because that actually worked back in the day. I literally remember being a freshman in college and that method actually working. And I was telling my boyfriend at the time, I'm like, 
oh my gosh, if you want to get Instagram famous, like you have to like um, have this girl post your photo. And there were a lot of people that were going about it that way. Then I remember sitting in class. It was like my second year of college and hashtags was a thing. When I tell you, I'm not even kidding, Ange, instant follows from putting hashtags. I clocked out of class. I clocked out. I remember (laughs) sitting in the back of history class. That was like my time to to do it. And I would literally be hashtagging, posting, deleting, posting, deleting, posting, deleting to get a lot of likes on the same photo. And then it was literally getting me followers. It was insane. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like people really just don't realize that that there's so much power in this. And then of course, Instagram catches on. They change the rules. It capped at 10,000. For a lot of reasons, like one, I took a year off of posting anything, but then by the time I came back to, it was like very, very slow growth. I mean, think about it. I went from zero to 200, but I went from 10 to 36. Think about it. The Like Instagram, I'm sure everyone can agree, is a very difficult platform to grow on. And also, to be very honest, Instagram was never... well. Now that I have other platforms, Instagram is genuinely not a priority to me, especially considering the little return you get on your investment, I guess you could say. And I really value connection with people. And I am the type of person where I don't really enjoy taking photos that much, believe it or not. So I don't like having to post photos and worrying about if it looks good and all these different things. Like I don't genuinely enjoy that. I like video content. I do enjoy short form content, things like that. But that's how I grew. I I was doing the follow for follow thing. I did the hashtag thing. And then anything I've got. And I remember that literally got me to the 10K that I got. I was doing that sort of strategy for many, many years. And then 2018, when I started my channel, all my YouTube subscribers and things like that, my audience came from from that following, uh, my YouTube following. All Obviously, all of them didn't translate, but whoever wanted to follow me. <laughs> They did. So like zero to 10,000 was just like the follow for follow strategy kind of thing. Then that 10,000 fueled your YouTube and then your YouTube started to really gain traction organically on YouTube. And then therefore all of those YouTube followers went and found your Instagram. And that's what got you to 36,000 followers on Instagram. Literally. Okay. Here's what I think is so interesting is because you can talk to any social media guru and I will be the first to say this too. Like you don't these days, it's, it was much different back then, but these days you don't want to do follow for follow or anything that's like getting followers in an inauthentic way, because I would rather have 10 followers that are my ideal audience that actually care about what I'm posting. That'll engage with me rather than having you know, 20,000 followers that never see my posts. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. most people these days would agree, but, but what I think is so interesting is I went to your Instagram yesterday and I checked your engagement rate because I was curious to know, and it's at five and a half percent ish where the benchmark for Instagram engagement is like 3%. And so I'm curious the the time period where you were going zero to 10,000, you were doing the follow for follow, all that stuff. Was your engagement lower then than it is now when you actually have like an engaged audience that actually came from becoming a fan of your YouTube content? Does that make sense what I'm trying to ask? Yes, absolutely. Okay. You are awesome, first of all, <laughs> because I, first of all, I actually didn't even know that. I actually didn't even know that Um, because... I don't, I know this sounds crazy and it's kind of embarrassing, but like I genuinely, I, I never check my analytics. I always forget to check my (laughs) analytics. So I genuinely didn't even know that. Wow. That's actually, thank you for that. That's actually really cool to answer your question. You're absolutely right. My engagement was significantly less than it is now. And it's so funny because you, I know you know what you're talking about too, because that was my experience exactly. So because I went about it that way, because I didn't know I was going to have the career that I have now. I wanted it. I didn't know how it was going to happen. And so I found that when I first started to, I remember I got to a certain point where I would post things and I would think to myself, oh, I can't wait till people actually answer the questions. And I have yes. a lot of things to scroll through. <laughs> I remember thinking that I was like, I can't, I can't. 
like wait until I have actual message requests and things like that. It was just such a dream of mine. And, um, and it really just like even stops me for a moment whenever I think and I give gratitude and I'm just thinking it's so like crazy how the things that we once wish for become our norm. So we kind of overlook them and we don't even realize. But yes, to your point, the engagement was a lot different. I also learned I had to decrease my male audience. Why were a lot of guys following me? I had no idea. And me posting the type of content huh, that I was posting, it weeded them out real quick, real, real quick. Yeah, kapoof. They were gone because they didn't like what I had to say really like that. And I didn't care because also we know from a statistical standpoint or statistics standpoint, women are the consumers. So that is where the money is. You want them to, and also that is who I'm catering to. My message isn't geared necessarily more towards men than it is for women. I would say it's definitely majority towards women. And so that's what I noticed significantly. I wanted to post content that was geared towards women to get that number up into the 90th percentile. That's very, very important. And also having that engaged audience as well. So people liking your posts, saving your posts, all these different things. And let me tell you something. I went through the ringer when it came to Instagram, which is why it always felt like such an intimidating platform for me. Because do you remember back in the day where it was having a very color coordinated Mm -hmm. feed? was like the thing. I experimented with this stuff for so like so many different times and I was never able to sustain it. Hence why I have such few Instagram photos. I archived everything because I'm staring at myself every five seconds and I'm just thinking, oh, like I don't like this anymore. Like all these different strategies that I thought were the answer because the like for like the hashtag thing was no longer a thing that I'm just like, what do I do now? So I kind of just let it fall by the wayside. And I said, listen, whoever organically comes from my channel, they want to be over there. That's fine. But yes, more engaged audience right now than it was when I was, I guess, growing like faster through that type of like avenue. That's not a beneficial avenue. Yeah. Well, that's seriously so fantastic. (laughs) Great engagement. It all worked out for you. I am still inching towards that 10K. It'll happen though. (laughs) Yes, it will. It will. Yeah. So when you asked me about how I also grew so fast, one thing that I recognized that was mandatory is engagement. I was engaging to get the engagement. That is one thing that I feel like made me stick out where people were responding to me saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe you responded. And I'm thinking, of course, I... I waited for this day where people would be talking to me. So yes, I'm talking back. And in the very beginning, when I started my channel, it was very easy. I'm telling you it's to the point where my mental health got a little shaky because I couldn't sleep because I felt like I had to respond to every single person because I just wanted to express my gratitude. And I still do try to the best of my ability, even now to be very responsive. There's no number that I will ever reach that I'm going to ignore people if they if they're commenting something to me and I can actually respond. So if you want high engagement, I definitely suggest engaging as well. And the smaller you are too, it is a lot more easy to do that. And I was on it. In the very beginning, I was answering every single comment, every single DM. And then I encourage people as well. If you like something uh, of mine and you repost it and you tag me, I will always always repost it on my page, even like on TikTok, things like that. You know how many times I've commented on random people's pages that have nothing to do with anything? Like I commented on someone's video the other day, they had a reel and it was a sound of an applause as an alarm. And I commented and I said, love this, just random. A subscriber of mine literally said, oh my gosh, I love you, Aisha. And I responded and I was like, I love you too. Little things like that. That wasn't my video, wasn't my post, but I really value my audience in such a way that I will always make sure I'm going out of my way to engage with them to the best of my ability. So that is something I greatly think has contributed. And so much so that I don't know if you know this, but I was creator on the rise for YouTube, which was very crazy, which is basically where I was trending on YouTube for a day because my, I guess my engagement was so high at one point and the watch time was doing so well that I was like creator on the rise. And 
I have to say, it sounds a lot better than it is, to be honest, because I thought, surely this is going to catapult me into this or whatever. Believe it or not, there was no numerical benefit from that. It's just something that sounds cool to say. It's another stat to add to your one sheet. It's all about positioning yourself in the marketplace. It'll help you to get sponsor deals. So yes, Yes. it is very important. But in my experience as well, when I'm added to lists or whatever, it doesn't really reflect in my download numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. But I just really make sure that I'm like, omnipresent. Like, you know, some days I have a higher bandwidth than others where I, I'm everywhere all at once and I can really handle it. And the more you grow, it does get a bit overwhelming, but it's always number one to me to respond to my audience no matter what. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No matter yeah. what. Well, I am curious to know how long you'll you'll be able to keep that going because even like I always use the example of my birthday. Like I am so good all the time at responding to texts, emails, DMs, comments. I am on it, right? Mm-hmm. But then when it's my birthday, it's so overwhelming. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I think I responded to everyone. I'm sure I missed somebody, but it honestly took me three hours laying in bed to get to all those comments, right? And that's just on my birthday. So I give a lot of grace to people that have a huge following. If they don't, like I'm constantly sliding into Alex Cooper's DMs, call her daddy, shout out. (laughs) And she's never responded to me. I tagged her the other day in like something and she saw it, but she did not comment. She did nothing. And like, I have to, she's not the only example, obviously, but like it's in times like that where I always remind myself, okay, Angie, Think about it as if it was your birthday. Like you mm-hmm. can every single day they're getting that amount of volume into their inbox. Like you have to like relax sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it it does get overwhelming at times because you genuinely don't even see. Right. Exactly. Things. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. they don't even see it. It's not like they're like actively ignoring you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and then also like when things are growing at such a rapid rate too it gets overwhelming because that becomes your job. Yes. And that's what at one point it, I had to take a bit of a break and a step back because I was feeling putting so much pressure on myself to really express my gratitude by responding back. It was another job for me mm-hmm. where I w- I could literally spend all day long answering people, DMs, comments, my consults, like all these different things. And these are, it's like an octopus and you have everyone reaching out and I'm just one person. And so uh, my audience, they know like the type of person that I am. And so they know when I can, I will always, you know, uh, respond back, but you do have to learn to balance yourself because it does get very, very overwhelming. And the one exception is I don't feel obligated to respond to like creepy guys. Ever putting that life. out there ever in life yeah <laughs> ever <laughs> but about your podcast so you started your podcast quality queen control in may of 2020 so mm. what is that i'm so bad with timelines like 21 yeah. 22 two and a half ish years ago yeah and you mm. have like just over 100 episodes and we already know your download numbers are amazing over 200,000 downloads a month so back when you first started your podcast kind of the same question. Like why, if you already have a YouTube channel, why now also a podcast? Literally how it started was kind of interesting. Um, Everyone would tell me, I love your voice. You have such a nice voice. You do have a great voice for podcasting. (laughs) Thank you. But you have a great face too. So like that makes sense for a YouTube channel because like, you know, audio and video. So yeah, (laughs) thank you so much. (laughs) And um. I think it's just something that has always followed me all my life where I didn't realize I always would get compliments on my voice so much. So one day I was at a restaurant and this lady stops me. She goes, I don't mean to infringe on your conversation, but you have a great voice for voiceovers and radio and things like that. So I started, that started piquing my interest. That was many, many moons ago now. So fast forward to my channel, 
my subscribers were literally suggesting it to me. Create a podcast. It was so overwhelming for me. I didn't even know where to start. So I thought to myself, I mean, like, okay, I guess I'll start one. I was get, I was scrappy with that. So I was recording on my iPhone using uh, Anchor. And at the time, this girl that worked with me, she was incredible. She helped me set it up. She helped me with my theme song. She helped me with my podcast art. Randomly, when I started my channel, I said, uh, let me just take some professional photos because I don't know, anytime someone wants to use anything for promo or whatever, I don't want to have to send them a selfie. Right. So I, like I, I told you before, this girl I went to high school with, she ended up taking those photos for me. And that's, that became my podcast art unintentionally. And so everything really happened organically. And I really do credit a lot of this to um, Jess, who used to work for me, my friend Jess, because she really was instrumental in guiding me through the process. And neither her or I really knew what we were doing at all, like at that time. And so I really am super grateful for her. And even like creating the theme song with me, my brother is into music. He went to school for music engineering. So he actually created that song by himself, luckily. So I don't have to worry about copyright or anything because he um, made it um, himself. So I'm super grateful for that. And yeah, that's pretty much how it started. I just took everyone's suggestion, started out on Anchor, which was a huge blessing because they disperse it to all streaming platforms. And it was pretty simple. And it was the one thing I was really able to be consistent with because there was no production. So I will be in there recording, no makeup on, no wig on half the time. <laughs> and just in any state. And it just became very therapeutic to me, which is why I was able to be super consistent with it. It's interesting that you say there's no production because to the podcaster listening right now, they're like, what do you mean there's no production? But compared to a YouTube channel, it's very different, especially if your podcast is audio only. Like I love being able to show up and like record in my pajamas if I want to like for a solo episode, you know? Yeah. Well, considering you already had a following before you started your podcast, yes, was the traction you saw with your podcast like pretty on par with what you expected, or did you see a big jump in the first couple episodes because people are people were curious and then they tapered off and you had to go find your podcast audience? Like influencers experience all different scenarios when they try to move one platform to a podcast. So I'm curious what your experience has been. Okay. So the girl that was working with me at the time, Jess, right? She has a marketing background. She, I learned a lot in working with her. There were so many things that I had no idea about. As the talent or the creator, we don't have that much knowledge about the business side and there absolutely is one or utilizing all of the things that we can with our platform. So she is the one that said, hey, why don't you create a newsletter? Why don't you create a freebie of what you're going to have to get people's emails for the newsletter? And also when you're, because she also was helping me edit my videos at the time too. So she would uh, have people sign up for the newsletter. And then she would also have a, a little, I guess, overlay into my video where it would, I would remind people to listen to the podcast because the way I went about it is, all right, it's there. Like, if you want to listen, you can listen. Like it, it, I felt awkward kind of telling people, even though that's how it works, you should. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And I, I just, I was constantly putting that into people's ears. It did taper off now where I haven't mentioned it as frequently in a long time, but there was a point in time definitely when her and I were working together, this was around 2019, where I was really pushing it a lot into my, in my videos. That made a huge difference, um, I have to say, because I definitely, I didn't look at the analytics of it, shocker. <laughs> I wasn't looking at the analytics to see the downloads because to me, I didn't know there was anything that could come from podcasting at all. I was simply doing it because everyone wanted me to do it and I liked it. And it was easier than filming a YouTube video. So it genuinely just so happened that it wasn't until I heard from um, my friend Jordan, who would edit my videos after adjusted, that he's like, Ace, do you know that you can? like make money from like anchor da, 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 da. and I was like wait what 
So I noticed I had $50 in my account. I've been, I have my podcast for two years. I mean, $50. I'm like, hmm. I'm like, wow, that's super cool. I can't wait till I make more because you only are able to see your balance once it hits 50. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like if I can make 50, then I'll make another 50. It capped at 50. And it wasn't until genuinely I signed with uh, Spreaker, right? That I looked at my analytics because I had to switch hosts. And I saw that I had at that time over 500,000 downloads. And I thought, oh my gosh, is this going to transfer over or am I going to start from zero again oh. to build my analytics up? And and Amy was like, it's going to start from zero. And I'm like, what if I never hit those numbers again? Like, what's going to happen? Like, But luckily, everything ended up working out. But it was just such a weird thing where I never ever like bothered to look at those things for just no reason. But it was just such an organic way in how I went about recording and and just like recording on my phone and then through experience and you kind of pick up things as you go along. I ended up getting this mic. I When I first started my podcast, I was using my phone because I could not figure out how to use these little silver mics. They were these two mics that I purchased just in case I had a podcast host, but then quarantine happened. Uh, the whole COVID thing happened and we couldn't meet with anyone. And then obviously my podcast is mainly all solo episodes, which is even crazier now that I have more knowledge about podcasting because everyone usually always has guests and things like that. I didn't know that it was, I guess, kind of different that I was doing this only with solo episodes. I didn't know there was anything (laughs) to do. I just was showing up like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's fine. It's therapy. And whoever it reaches, it's going to reach. And that's literally the story. Okay. I I have to back up and I want to clarify something for the podcaster who's listening right now and having a full mental breakdown, thinking that if they move hosting platforms, they lose all their downloads. So let me back up. Love Amy. She's amazing. And Mm -hmm. she's right. And by the way, for the listener, Amy is our rep at Spreaker. Aisha and I are both now on the Spreaker platform. Amy is like our go-to. She's fantastic. Shout out, Amy. We love you. But (laughs) before you redirect your podcast feed from, let's say, Anchor to Spreaker, just download your download numbers. So your all time per episode download numbers and save those because you can't import those numbers into Spreaker. But if you're negotiating your brand deals, or if you need to tell somebody how many downloads your podcast has gotten or a particular episode, it's just an Excel spreadsheet and you add the two numbers together. And then those are your total downloads. So you don't, the work that you put into your podcast on Anchor it's not going unnoticed. It is helping you in the future. It's just, it's not as pretty as it all being in the same hosting dashboard. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I've heard you talk on your podcast about how important it is to be a self-starter when you're growing a personal brand online. And I cannot agree more. That's like literally my favorite topic. So what are some of the ways, and not all the ways, I know there's so many different ones, but like, especially early on in your journey, like, is there anything you can pinpoint that allowed you to stay consistent, like early on when you weren't seeing, like nobody was answering your questions and like you're answering your own question stickers? Like, how do you stay consistent when you don't know that it's even going to work out? Oh my gosh. Um, it's first of all, it's way easier said than done to whatever it is that I'm about to say. It's a lot easier said than done because there's only one answer, right? I think it would be the same for everybody, which is just to keep going and to not even focus on the numbers. I remember the first time where I took a break from uploading because I am definitely that influencer that I take breaks because if I need to do it, I'm going to do it because I, I sanity is number one. Like I care about my mental health and things like that. And then there were s- certain uh, times where you kind of get into the habit of not uploading and you see the numbers sort of dip. And that was definitely an adjustment for me because I remember, to be very candid, I remember when I did Vlogmas for the first time. And I didn't do it the entire 25 days, but I did it for about uh, maybe a little under 12 days or so. I, I can't even remember. What's Vlogmas? I- Is it like a challenge? So Vlogmas, here's the tea, guys. (laughs) Vlogmas is in December where 
creators, they post every day until Christmas because apparently December is supposed to be the largest grossing month in YouTube because it's the holidays. They're doing ads nonstop. So I thought, why don't I offer different content and also see if there's a return on my investment? Because at that time, too, I had my editor, which he flew out. He lives in Canada. He was flying out to New York. I would film a month's worth of content in three days. That's how I was getting everything done um, consistently because me relying on myself and whether I feel like filming that day or not was not working out for me. It was making me very inconsistent. And so I built a system that I know that works. And so with that being said, like having that system built for myself was allowing me to be consistent. But when I wasn't seeing the numbers, it was very, very discouraging. Let me tell you, especially when you're investing money and time and you're so confident that how you organized it and everything, like I'm going to be very real. When I made that vlog miss, I had Jordan edit it like a Netflix series. So it would literally look like a Netflix channel, but on my own channel. That's very unique. I thought surely people seem like they're going to be invested in this. And that's another thing too on YouTube where you're going to find that people will be like, we want to see this video. We want to see this video. And that video does like the lowest. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait, I thought everybody was asking me for this. It's so weird. So there's a lot of adjustments that you have to make. Um, as it pertains to that, but I just had to tell myself, all right, I'm just going to keep going, right? Because if I love this, like I say I do, this is where, you know, sometimes the going gets tough. I just have to keep on pressing on, pressing on. If I just continue, because I have done, I have taken moments where I just was like, okay, like, no, I'm just going to disappear. That didn't work out. The only thing that's going to continue to work out is just continuing to keep going, keep going. And thankfully, I will say, having other platforms that I show up for as well does help be, instead of me just being completely ghost because I am the type of person I, I could disappear like for real, for real. <laughs> but um, I just really try to make sure I'm somewhere. So for me, be before I had even my TikTok, it was my podcast. I had some way of communicating with my audience to stay consistent so they knew what was going on with me in the background. And considering the type of people that listen to podcasts anyway, they are very, uh, they're a very in tune sort of audience. It's a very different audience than Instagram and YouTube and things like that. It's more of a community, very different um, audience, which I really enjoy. And so considering that, you know, I don't know if I want to use the word level of maturity. I don't <laughs> think that's the correct word, <laughs> but their attention spans are usually going to be a lot longer, I guess. So Considering that fact, I me having that my podcast and communicating with people on the back end really helped me to stay consistent because then when I would get feedback from people in my Instagram DMs, because that's how people would communicate with me from my podcast, I would see things that they would say, hey, we miss you. Da, da, da. Those little comments would really keep me going. Also, I will say this. Me realizing that this, my purpose is way bigger than me. Anytime I think about my feelings, myself, instead of the message that I feel like God wants me to share with people, really shifted my perspective. And I have to remind myself of this daily. This is not something that I just arrived at and I'm just here to stay. Like every day I'm reminding myself, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. So that I, whatever's in my heart and my spirit to share with people, because I genuinely care about helping people that I realize no matter how I feel, as long as it's not something like detrimental that I show up and, you know, in spite of. That's what helped me to stay consistent is just really believing like it's bigger than myself and having that faith talk about faith activated, right? It's like, God, what do I do? I'm not, I, I honestly, Ange, there was a certain time point, And I can honestly say a lot of creators experience this, but they're not vocalizing it. Were you genuinely questioning yourself? You question why is something that once worked not working anymore? It's so easy to fall into a niche. Let's say you get, uh, you go viral from this sort of video do I keep doing it? Do I keep posting videos like that? Although I'm not in that space, although I don't want to, do I stay here? People are not responding to the new content that I want to put on my platform. 
that's when I started to experience that there was no reflection on the numbers and things like that. I naturally wanted to start talking about other things and it seemed like people weren't interested. So then that weighs on you and makes you feel insecure, to be honest. Is this right for me? How can I feel so called to something? How can something that once worked for me all of a sudden not work anymore? All these questions. And I realized number one that I've concluded was just keep going. And the faith that and like my relationship with God has really improved my view on my career. Honest to God, if I had to give one answer, that would be the main answer. It's just my activating my faith and realizing no matter how things look, I just have to keep going. If I truly believe that this is the calling that's on my life, it's going to pay off no matter what. And having that gave me such a sense of freedom that I was able to show up in, in my space and take space and not be afraid of doing that. I love that answer so much. And I tell myself that too, like, like God, the universe, whatever you believe, if you're listening, if you feel a higher self calling (laughs) to do something like with a purpose, there's a reason for that. But then I always get caught up being like, okay, well, maybe it's maybe for instance, maybe my podcast will never take off, but maybe it's meant to bring me to the next thing, right? Like the next step in my life that will take off. And like that really relieves a lot of pressure from me trying to prove myself like with this podcast, because I know for myself that I'm doing the best I can with this podcast. And I do feel led to have this podcast and I'm doing it from an authentic place. But that doesn't necessarily mean that this podcast is going to be successful because God's plan, the universe's plan for the greater good is what really matters here. And so I'm just, I'm playing my part in whatever's best for the greater good of society. And hopefully that does mean my podcast is going to be successful so I can impact so many more podcasters and build an amazing community. But at the end of the day, like it's either this or something better. Yes, absolutely. Well, what are your big plans? Like if if you, Asia, today had to declare over yourself, like what is happening in your brand and your business in three years from now? Like what would your big like goal be? My big goal three years from now would definitely be to have some sort of product out Ooh. there. I am very into fragrance. Um, it's yeah, I love anything that has to do with hygiene, body care, fragrance. I love planning. So anything to do with organization, getting a product out there on the shelves so that I am not, I'm not only making, generating income by having to show up in a certain way. That is very important to me because there have been plenty of times where, you know, it's just, you don't show up. It's, this goes, and again, this is from a creator's perspective because, you know, if you work a nine to five or something, you can't just make the choice to just not go right. or whatever the case is. That's not lost on me. But from a creator's perspective, it's like sometimes that things will spike. You have no rhyme or reason and you repeat that and it doesn't work. And it's just very confusing. And you just get so caught up in spiraling. That I think was the beginning of me not paying attention to analytics now that I'm thinking about it. Um, because it's such a, it it can easily just turn into like a downward spiral if it's not exactly what you want. And so me being such a passion filled person, I said, God, whoever needs to see this, hear this. And so far that has been working for me. Uh, but I want products out on the shelves. Uh, I'd like to do a lot of philanthropic work. You know, the more money that I generate, I want to help others. I listen to your Every podcast that you sent me, genuinely, like start to finish, I listen to all of them. Of my podcast or other podcasts? Of your oh, podcast. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and this podcast absolutely will take off because honestly, I can say this, you have such, I can't even articulate it because it's such a, a, a typical word, but it's so authentic. The questions you ask, the answers that people like give, they make sense. And I know the feeling and I can relate to that because I see that same quality in yourself where I'm trying to genuinely figure out point A to B. And I know when there's fluff being talked about and I'm not understanding this crossover, it doesn't make sense. And in your podcast, 
you ask questions that people have genuine answers to, and you really dive in and dig deep and you ask such good questions that actually help people. The amount of information that I've learned from listening to your podcast episodes in the past three days truly has been such a blessing. I messaged my friend Jess yesterday and I said, you have to check this girl out because she is so informative. Like I've never seen a podcast like this before where it actually helps. (laughs) Never seen it. Yeah. So I just have to let you know that. But um, yes, I I definitely want to network more with people and I want to just continue to have a really, you know, big impact in people's lives and grow, you know, my audience. The only way to do that is there is strength in numbers, of course. And going through all the things that I've experienced, I realized the power in collaboration and community. And you said something in one of your podcasts that I love where you said that you love people that value community over competition. And then there was another podcast. I don't know if it was the same episode, but you were interviewing a guy. I don't remember what his name was, but he said something that really stuck out to me. He said, be the noticer. Yes. Jared Easley, co-founder of podcast movement, considering our panels. Literally. (laughs) And I said, oh my gosh, that is something that I feel like I naturally possess, but I never articulated it. And I pride myself wherever I go in learning people's names, complimenting them. I think about someone, I'm going to text them. I think you did a great job. I'm going to let you know. I like anything you do. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to support because I genuinely want people to know you never know how you're impacting their day. And so Yeah, on one side, the more you acquire and accumulate, you can help others, which is great. But also the free work in letting people know they're doing a good job is super important to me. Yes. I loved when Jared said that too. I titled the whole episode that Be the Noticer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was so good. And thank you so much for the kind words about my podcast. That really did just pump me up. I'm going to share that audio clip on all platforms so that you can be my marketer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. But... (laughs) But no, I really do appreciate it so much. So, so, so much. Um, So where can everyone find you online? Tell us all of your platforms, where they can connect with you further, listen to your podcast, like everything. Okay. So you guys can follow me on TikTok. I'm the most active on currently at the moment. I do have my YouTube channel where I will be uh, uploading again. So on TikTok, I am Christina. I believe <laughs> on YouTube. I am YouTube. I am Asia Christina on YouTube as well. And then my Instagram is just my full government name, which is Asia Christina Foster. And it'll be in the show notes. So you guys will have that. That's what I was just going to say. I just Googled it is Asia.Christina on TikTok. And also I will link all of these in the show notes for sure. (laughs) But thank you so much again for taking the time to come on the podcast. I'm so freaking pumped for Vegas. We're going to have so much fun. This panel is going to be legit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm so excited. I am just so grateful to have met Aisha. I'm so excited to be on stage with her at Podcast Movement, and I'm just so happy we were able to have this conversation with you here on the podcast. So here are my four quick takeaways from this conversation with Aisha. First thing is relatability and realness is going to set you apart online. So Asia talked about how her YouTube channel was fueled through her personal experience after a breakup. She was like, nobody's talking about this. So why don't I just hop on YouTube and share my experiences? And what do you know? It took off because she was real. She was authentic. She was relatable. Second thing is become a person of interest if you want to grow faster. You have to be marketing your podcast, in my opinion, on social media these days. Figure out a platform that you can really lean into, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, whatever it is that feels aligned to you and lean into that. Not that I'm saying you need to go talk about your podcast all the time on these platforms, but you need to serve an audience where they are. So if you're on Instagram, serve that Instagram audience, because once they find you interesting on Instagram, they're going to be curious to come check out your podcast. 
Third thing is get excited for what's to come. This just gave me such new energy when Aisha brought this up. She talked about how the things that she once wished for became her norm, particularly when she was talking about just wishing that someone would respond to her question sticker. I don't know about you, but that is something I can relate to so freaking hard. I cannot wait for the day when I have my DMs blowing up, comments blowing up, so many that I can't even keep up. That's a dream of mine because I want to be able to impact as many people as possible. And I want to get the reward for all the hard work that I'm putting into my podcast. So get excited because if like me, you haven't quite hit where you want to go, if you have faith, it's coming. And that brings me to the fourth thing, which is remember that your content is bigger than you. I love how Aisha put it. She said, faith activated. Just keep going. If what you're doing feels aligned, no matter how things look, you just have to keep going. If you truly believe that this is the calling that God has put on your life, it's going to pay off no matter what. This gave Asia a sense of freedom and confidence to show up and take up space. This is what's giving me confidence to show up and take up space. And you can have this same confidence too, if you don't already. That's all I have for you today. I loved this episode with Asia, and I cannot wait to bring you another amazing episode next week.